0: So we're going to be doing this 20-25 minute podcast where we're talking about something that we're both really interested in, and we were thinking about calling it Buddha Bites.
1: I thought it was Buddha Bits.
0: Well, no, because that sounds like Buddha's Bits.
1: Okay, Buddha Bites, Buddha Bits. Okay, whatever. Here it is.
0: Welcome, welcome to Buddha and the Body Coach. We are back and today we have a subject that we hope you will enjoy exploring with us. Today we're going to be talking about this idea or this concept of safe spaces. Safe spaces is a new idea which exists within our culture and we both got interested in this for different reasons. So we're going to come at it from uh, a few different levels here today. And we hope that you'll enjoy exploring with us and just keep your mind open and see what this idea of safe spaces actually does mean to you and maybe your own ideas of it will evolve. So, hello, T.
1: Good morning.
0: So, yeah, well, let's go into... The interest then, you know, why is it that you got interested in safe spaces?
1: I got interested in safe spaces because I realized that that's what I do. I create safe spaces for people. I create a space where people can bring whatever's going on with them internally, externally, and whatever difficulty or emotion they're feeling, and they're not going to be judged. They're going to be guided skillfully through those feelings And they're going to find oftentimes solutions to or ways to cope with the things that are most difficult in their lives, be that trauma or just the regular day-to-day, how do I manage my finances?
0: Yeah, and I got interested in it from the perspective of the physical body because you know, although what I do is kind of, you know, it's different to what you do, T. It's, it has similarities in the sense that what I'm doing is helping women reduce the amount of stress in their environment so that they can, you know, up-level their physicality so that they can optimize their physicality. And I was listening to a brilliant podcast with a guy, he's a coach called Dr. Andy Galpin. And he coaches top athletes, you know, so people really at the top of their game. And he was talking about this idea that when you go into an athletic process, you know, you need to have everything on track. You need to have your, your breathing, your meditation, your coffee at the right time. You need to be making sure you're getting to bed on time, you're getting enough hydration, you're not drinking alcohol, the the environment is really curated. But then he was talking about how outside of that, we need to have flexibility. So if we can't function without getting up and doing our morning meditation or having our coffee at a certain time, then we're precious. (laughs) and so this made me laugh because I thought yeah we do need these two kind of um, spaces in our lives we need some safety we need to be able to control stress but then we also need to have a little bit of flexibility and allow for you know uh, a little bit of danger maybe a bit of chaos in our lives
1: yeah and that's another reason why i got interested in this idea because while that's what i do i create safe spaces i also encourage people to follow their challenges and i also hope that some of the tools that i give people will help them in a world that does have challenges that can be um, chaotic as you say
0: do you remember how they define safe space
1: yeah, the definition of safe space is a place or environment in which a person or category of people can feel confident they will not be exposed to discrimination, criticism, harassment, or any other emotional or physical harm.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so in the culture, the way, well, let's say the way that the culture or the media kind of picks up this idea of safe spaces, it's often with derision, so the snowflake You know, the college campuses where the kids need safe spaces all of the time. And, oh, my goodness, they're not going to be able to function in the outside world without these safe spaces. And, you know, the kids are all getting too soft. And it's often that perspective that's pushed forwards by the media.
1: Right. And... (laughs) Every generation thinks the generation coming after them has it easier. And and there's almost this kind of sadistic wish that the next generation would be hazed in the same way that our generation was hazed.
0: Okay, boomer. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) So that's... uh, (laughs) I'm not a boomer, by the way.
0: (laughs) You're a cospa. So... Anyway, (laughs) Well, we were talking about, you know, how on these college campuses, you know, there's this idea of this safe space built in. I mean, I know when I was in, we call it university in the UK, this idea didn't exist. And it's probably not as prevalent in English culture. Actually, I, I did talk to my niece about this. She's in university and she kind of had a vague idea, but I think it's a very American thing. You know the the concept of safe space.
1: Yeah, and I think you know without going too much into what it is in colleges, because that's not really where our exposure is. Uh, we know that that's kind of where it became popularized. But I think the important thing is to realize that, like everything in our culture, it has become a straw man. It's kind of an either or. Uh, if you need a safe space, then you're a snowflake, and and. You know, Jen, this or Jen that—they're all just a bunch of weak, wimpy, needy babies who are sucking on mama's tit, so to speak.
0: <laughs> I know, which is living such crap, at home isn't it? until
1: they're forty or whatever the trope is. But you know, I, I just want to say something to those tropes because, yeah, there there may be some credence. There may be some people that there may be some people that are a little softer <laughs> than they were in World War II times, certainly, or the Depression. That certainly may be true. Um, at the same time, people are challenging themselves in ways that may have a little privilege in them, whether that would be climbing the face of a mountain or doing some of the Wim Hof things where they're going into these ice baths or subjecting themselves to, to very rigorous or, or difficult um, uh, climate experiences.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the truth of the matter is that, you know, our body needs some oxidative stress in order to get stronger and comfort in the culture is killing us. So, you know, what we want to do today is just almost like explore the nuance like between when we need safe spaces, when they're useful and, you know, when we might be overusing them. So I think we start off with usefulness then, you know, in your work, T, like, how how would you frame that? So obviously people are doing some deep dives and they might be processing some deep shit, you know, and they need to be held, right?
1: Deep shit indeed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a deep shit swim instructor. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, so... Look, if we want to grow, not only as individual human beings, but as humanity, we need to come into being more open, more creative, more fresh, instead of kind of like rooting ourselves and idealizing some barbaric past. We want to be able to be um, a fresh energy, a fresh force of life. And to do that, we have to kind of declutter our inner environment, and that inner environment is past trauma, um, past neglect, all sorts of inner difficulties, even difficulties with having not been even seen in the right way, or seen in, in sometimes in racial ways, in, in very ugly or hated ways. Mm. So there, there is a lot to that, to groups and human beings as individuals, like in my work, being able to have a safe space to come in and explore themselves and untangle themselves from the violence of personal and cultural history.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you said that, actually, because I think that the the concept as well grew up around marginalized people needing a voice and these institutions creating safe spaces for those people to speak up and to have a voice.
1: right. Yeah, and, I, I, and we need that.
0: We do need that because otherwise, you know, it's, it's always going to be the more powerful that has the voice within the culture. So this is actually a very positive step forward in that sense.
1: Yeah, and we understand that the strength of humanity is in cooperation and collaboration, not in power over and dominance. Although sometimes that's part of a dynamic, but the, our overall strength is in collaboration and cooperation. So, having a safe space to do our own work, having safe spaces for groups to work together, incredibly important in our culture. Now, developing an identity of someone who is really a victim and in constant need of a safe space, it really undermines what a human being is. It undermines our potential, it undermines our strength, it undermines our capacity so that we can't realize how resilient and how capable we really are
0: yes exactly we we're, we're listening to an audio book at the moment about the famous crossing of a ship called the Mayflower from England to the shores around Massachusetts. It is Massachusetts. Yeah. I can never say that Massachusetts is that right mhm <laughs> so yeah, the what these people, these pilgrims, had to go through, just on a day-to-day basis, is insane. the 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 levels of comfort <laughs> where setting up a shack, you get you're going out and hunting for your food, um, disease, you're having to be in constant conflict with neighboring tribes, and you know it it, it was just like constant attacks and danger for those people and when we're listening to it we're like wow you know what our ancestors had to deal with and it's it's so funny because you know over time we have leaned more and more into creating comfort in our culture and you can understand that right because we want protection from the elements we want protection from animals we also want protection from other human beings as well, <laughs> you know. And so you can see how we how this has evolved. But now we live in this culture where you know people don't even have to really walk anywhere anymore. We have these comfy couches that we can nestle into. We have heating. We don't have to forage. We have to live a and what?
1: We have entertainment.
0: Oh my goodness! Of yeah,
1: every type at all moments.
0: Yeah Uh, Yeah. and it's killing us which is I don't know isn't that just it just seems so sort of paradoxical that that's the way it's gone.
1: Yeah it is kind of paradoxical I mean we can honor our drive to want comfort and to be entertained and to enjoy ourselves but at the same time if we get over comforted if we get overstuffed we lose our kind of drive to creativity which is Perhaps one of the most powerful things about being a human being is our creative and hopefully then collaborative and cooperative drive.
0: Mm, so it's almost like in our culture, we have to go out and seek unsafety, you know? So going to the gym. It is actually a form of oxidative stress. I mean, look in the past, these these pilgrims, they weren't going to the gym because they didn't have to. They were physically active all day in their lives. And they
1: couldn't get enough calories to cover that physical activity. So this is really interesting stuff because coming back to the idea, I think especially of emotional safety, emotional safety is kind of a, a level of privilege, You know we're not in constant warfare so now we can develop a level of emotional safety, a level where we have mutual respect within a society and a culture and those safe spaces are kind of building blocks of that mutual respect within the culture. But at the same time bad things happen, death happens, loss happens, um, climate calamities happen, car crashes happen, health challenges, cancer happens, so at the same time that we want to feel safe and that that safety inspires us to creativity and maybe even love, which is really important and we could talk about more, we also want to be a little bit tough. We want to be able to go uh, walk a couple miles if our car breaks down uh, an old dirt road. We want to be able to... uh, Chop a little firewood if we're staying at our cousin's cabin out in the woods for a weekend. We want to be able to, uh, you know, go in and clear some blackberry brambles if you live here in Humboldt County, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. and you're going
1: to get probably stuck a couple times.
0: Yeah, take a knife out with you in case the neighbor's dog attacks you. <laughs> and, and that's mostly,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, <there's> some great <sighs> wild dogs around here. But that's physical stuff. But emotionally, we want to have some emotional resilience, and we want uh, we need to like be able to not be liked by everybody. We need to be able to endure the fact that uh, other people are having emotional breakdowns sometimes, and there's a lot of um, things like road rage. I mean, we're encountering road rage all the time. It's really surprising we have people just driving around in ways that are very threatening, and and then when someone does that our own systems get activated. So we need to be able to endure some chaos, endure some threat and re-regulate. And so the safe space basically becomes something that's internalized, not something that we require externally. We develop a degree of inner safety that we can through practices come back to so that we can re-regulate our our own systems into safety, and our own families, and possibly our even greater our greater communities into safety.
0: Yeah, but then, we, like when we move out of it, we you know, it's um, it's not gonna, we're not gonna just collapse. I think that's what's important. Actually, while you were talking there, I was remembering something else that we talked about, and it was this idea that people when they start to get into in a way. They become very identified with that. And let's say we're talking about people who are working with deep trauma states. Trauma seems to be one of the major areas that people tend to get tied up or lost in with this. So they go in to do the trauma work, but then they get very identified with their trauma, and this becomes like who they are, and so they constantly, of course, will require a safe space. Because if you're always in that activated place in your body, that's a, that's really tough. And you mentioned something about a pendulum, the pendulum swing.
1: Yeah, that's a really great concept, and it comes from Peter Levine and the trauma work that he does. This idea of pendulation, and ex- I've seen exactly what you're talking about. When trauma, which is now just this omnipresent word, when trauma first started becoming a word in the culture, because of what I do, I saw a lot of people going into trauma work. And as they would go into it, they'd kind of almost form like these little trauma clubs and become very identified with a tra- being a traumatized person. And I think, like you say, that's very unhelpful. And what was the question you were asking about it again? It was
0: about the pendulum swing.
1: Right. And so what I find more helpful is to use the actual pendulum idea from Peter Levine's work to understand how we come in and out of safe spaces. In trauma work, you pendulate into a difficult or traumatic experience, and then you pendulate back out into something that is safe to either a safe space in the body a safe relationship, a safe imagination, or even just the safety of your surroundings. And then you can pendulate back into the trauma. So this idea of pendulating in and out of trauma work itself, in and out of inner work itself, so that I can move in. Even when I'm working with someone individually, uh, we might go through some very tough territory, and we might just talk about the dog for a minute. (laughs)
0: yeah that's great
1: (laughs) because it's on a micro and a macro level it's really important to be able to see okay I'm going into this now this is a more difficult experience and now I'm coming back into this safe experience but anytime we try to take this pendulum and hold this pendulum over one side or the pendulum is forced uh, through through a way we can't control over to one side then there becomes a real imbalance for us So we want to have a freely swinging pendulum, not one that's over on either side and not necessarily one that's just in the middle. But a theme of our podcast is this kind of free flow of our humanity from being, you know, really challenged and really facing a lot of difficulty and chaos to being very open and free and creative.
0: That's a really beautiful concept and very helpful, I think. Because, you know, you meet people and they will tell you, I'm traumatized. And even just saying that, you know, is a real identification there rather than I am processing trauma in my body. Because it's not who you are. And this this idea of trauma is everywhere in the culture now, like you've just said. It's... Um, I'm traumatized if somebody says something to you on social media you don't like. You know? Yeah, it's become kind
1: of colloquial now to say, yeah. oh, that was traumatic.
0: That was tra- traffic right. jam was traumatic. No.
1: Right. <laughs> so, you know, I think it also bears saying that this is where sometimes the victim can become the victimizer because once you actually have identified that I am traumatized, then you kind of have a right, you kind of have an entitlement to go out and, and punish other people for that trauma. And, that's just frankly not helpful yeah it's, it's not helpful to anybody
0: mm-hmm.
1: so we need to hold when we can our own trauma and and help other people along in holding theirs but we don't need to become identified with being a traumatized person and a victim essentially and the victim word i i hesitate to use that because that's another thing people start slinging around at each other but it is a truth we can become identified as a victim
0: yeah exactly i know we definitely can and it is also a trope as well so yeah i mean so when we are moving from this place where we are the victim we are triggered a lot we are the traumatized person perhaps we're processing a lot of stuff we obviously will require a more cushioned environment and and that can be appropriate but it's not forever Right. right, So
1: appropriate but not forever.
0: Yeah, yeah like right.
1: When appropriate, but not forever.
0: So, you know, the recognition that the world isn't always a safe space and we, we need challenges. We need to be resilient as human beings and that we can pendulum in and out, which does take a little bit of skill, you know, in order to be able to learn that. It's kind of reminds me of the Stephen Paul Just thing, you know, the nervous system ninja. We can move in and out of different nervous system states. And I think that, you know, having this idea that we are flexible, you know, there are different parts of us that we can bring forwards. And at any one time, we will have healthy aspects of self alongside maybe the more dysfunctional stuff that needs to be processed and worked.
1: Yeah, I think that's beautifully said, Alex. And I'm not sure what more I have to say about it, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, so I think... Uh, I think that I just want to say, actually, that the idea of safe spaces is quite an American concept. It, it does exist in the UK and probably within, um, you know, people where marginalized people are spheres where marginalized people are having conversations. I would say the, this concept of safe spaces is probably more prevalent it's not so much in the universities. I did have a chat with my niece, Evie, and she didn't seem to have much of an idea about it. She was a little vague. And if you think about Britain, <laughs> the stiff upper lip, you don't show emotion. I mean, it just doesn't go along, does it, so much? So I think that, you know, the safe spaces idea is very much over here, but certainly where I'm from in Liverpool. In the Northwest. It's a hard port town. I mean, people are working hard to make sure there are no safe spaces. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And so certainly it is more of a American phenomenon. I think you're right. But it doesn't mean that there isn't value in it. It just means that we don't want to get too caught up in it so that we can't see our own resilience. And also, we don't want to be so defended against it. So that we're just kind of a hard shell of a person walking around defended all the time. There's actually more to being a human being than just defending against every idea that that maybe threatens us. Although that can become a life. It really can. So uh, the idea is, I think, what you're saying, flexibility, resilience, and actually, like... It's not that incredibly hard to just care a little bit for other people, to have concern or even just to have good regard for other human beings, even if they're a little screwed up. Because let's face it, we're all a little screwed up.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you can change your brain to the people who are listening now. If you've grown up in a very unsafe environment, then brain imaging scans do show that, the amygdala is generally going to be a bit larger, which means that your sense of threat is going to be higher. So you're going to have more vigilance. And for you, this idea of safe spaces may feel very foreign because you may not know what that actually feels like. And so having somebody like T, you know, to, to help you into those other parts of your brain is really really important so this is the other side of it and you know what i do as well when i am working with people a lot of the time people show up and they don't really have a lot of self-regulation skills so i will teach them meditation breathing journal and whatever is appropriate to them and they will learn that they can create safety inside of themselves but then we don't want to be precious. We also want to be able to handle a cold shower,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or a little mud on our shoe. <laughs> but not to not to belittle it. You know, there there are a lot of pains out there. I think um, ultimately, you said self-regulation, and it is our duty to self-regulate as adults and going back to our podcast on self-regulation, which was I think the second podcast in the whole series, that will help us from having to repeat all that information again. But that's a good start if you haven't heard that podcast.
0: Brilliant, okay, so that was our Dharma Dose.
1: Dharma Dose. For
0: today, we hope that you enjoyed that. And we are gonna be getting busy creating a new series for you very soon. Stay tuned in, tell your friends, and you know the drill. Make sure you, you like, you share, you, you do all the things.
1: Thanks, Alex. Thanks, T. A special thanks to Reed Anderson for our theme.